0: Now, behind all that, I have to say that uh, something else is going on. And I was in there, and, the, and the, um, I wasn't even aware of going like that. But that's where I was, like that. And above my head was the steel and everything. So was in the band. They were scared to come to see what was happening. They stood out there five minutes looking at that truck, practically demolished with it right up where I was sitting and they finally one of them finally had the courage enough to open the door and I stepped out so then I was protected you know but uh, that's the way it is so I can't say well no this I'm just fancified no it's real for the first time somebody in human farm has contacted the real creator and that's me and I know that uh, he done. he talked to me and said he don't even regard no person as good or bad he said they can do some good things they can do good or they can do bad but in his book no person is condemned or considered as good or bad now I have to go by that now they teach something else in the churches but this creator said no, now everybody then again I was in New York City and this creator spoke to a white minister and said uh, yes, you know, it's going to be something that happen. Uh God's sure are going to do something special that God's going to do for And the white folks said, uh, but I thought all of us was God's children. The white man said, oh, no, uh, God's children are his people, too, but his people are not his children. He got some people, but he got some children. Now, he's going to do something concerning his children, the children are his people too, but the people are not his children, not all of them. That's what this white minister said. And the man said, But I thought he said, No, it's not what you think. I'm telling you, God got some children, and his people too. And they separate over that for him. Now, then you got something over in the Bible that said that on 144,000 people, 144,000 will be able to sing a song that no one can sing but them. Now, so it's over there, in the mu- and they're supposed to be the chosen. These 140,000 people, 12,000 from each tribe will be playing the music or singing something that nobody else can sing. They agree with the, A lot of people say, well, God, that's going to choose 144,000. But it's talking about 144,000 musicians because musicians sing on their horns. Now, you got 12,000 from each tribe that's it it's talking about music so you're going to take the music to speak to people because music is a universal language so you have to speak to them because a person could hear a song if it's a sad song they know if it's a happy song they know and they do not have to be a musician to know when they hear something pure that's all over the world now a man can get a part and talk, talk 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 tell a lot of lies too And uh, people don't know the difference, but the musician, if he makes one wrong note, they know. A drummer, if he missed one beat, they know. If he harmonizes a song, and there's one chord wrong in there, they know. People know about music, and they don't have to study, they just know. So then if a musician is really gifted uh, from God or from somebody, they know. Uh, In Chicago, I, I was playing with a group of musicians and uh, they're professional musicians. It's a black place. They had the big theater. From the balcony, uh, a person said, ain't but want somebody on that stage worthy of being up there? And that's the piano player, mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Now, well, well, I, I, behind all these things, I tend to play the low profile. You take like in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was in, in a band, a school band and we played in Atlanta. Uh, we were going through that and so the producer they want on the place it's like a skating rink he said well uh, well y'all just passing through here and you, not no time for advertising but y'all can play here tonight and you have some money for gas or something I can't guarantee anybody coming in the people here they're kind of funny they they would like to hear the band you have to play one number they'll come in and they'll be here now, if you, you you let them in, you play one song where they can see the band. Then I put them out, and we'll see what will happen. So I said, all right. So we played this one. Number of people, and I said, put the people out. And then in Atlanta, Georgia, we had fifteen hundred people that came in that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the producer was signed. Now, so then they decided that they had Atlanta band, they got, they got word, but we were come in that town, that one people, so they decided to have a battle of the bands, three bands in Atlanta, versus us. we came to Atlanta, people had the the sunrise buttons on and everything, and and then uh, they played, we played. Now, it it was a problem, because they had this baby grand piano there, and uh, some fellas would run did run up there and get up on the piano to listen to me play the piano, and then another statue way one and he'd get on that another statue and went all night they was busy trying to get on that piano to listen. so the piano I can do things on the piano that that other piano players can't do now, so I got that gift from the Creator to speak on the piano, which it is written, I will open my dark sands upon the harp, and the piano is a harp. so I can talk to people through the piano. The book says so. Now, they don't know that, since I don't be in church and all that. They the preachers, uh, this Steve, except one of subscriber he said, he said he didn't like no music. He said he didn't like the choir singing. He said he never had liked music. You just go through this and, I don't like it. All this music. He said, but I heard something in your plan, and I know that God sent you only music I ever liked and I would really like to help you that minister said and he wanted me to get up in the, in the pulpit and sit up there with me one minister, black one, said that now, oh I went to the Vatican I was standing up there looking and the priest is, is marching up to the altar uh, me and one of the fellows in the band was saying and he's marching up to the altar and one of them said and I said, uh, did you see that? Uh, the fellow in the band said, Yes, uh, he's begging for you. Ain't nobody else here but us. I know he ain't begging for you. He's telling you to come on to my side, I'm not going up there. It's ridiculous. And the preacher said that happened to me in the Vatican. Now and I was wondering about that. What was that? Why why do you do that? But then the creator has a sense of humor. Yeah, he ought to he be doing me like that. He'd be doing things that uh, that we played in Santa Cruz. He had a white fellow come up there. They saw it. He had my hand. He would not turn my hand. he will sit there, and he held my hand. And he looked in my eyes, shook his head. He shut his eyes, and he held my hand. could nobody, the of Nation couldn't put him out. They tried to do de- it. He, he holding my hand. He did not, and he said... Uh, Yes, my girlfriend told me that you're the greatest person on planet, Earth and the greatest musician. That's why I came out. And he said, you know, she told the truth. And they couldn't get this man out of there. He would not, they tried, they said the place is closed. He wouldn't wouldn't turn my hand loose, and he shut his eyes. He was feeling something. In Chicago, they had a meeting of psychics. Four of them came up to see me, three women. One man, the one of the women, shook my hand. my hand. 30 minutes, she would not turn my hand loose. And she was talking about power, 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 energy, energy. Would not turn my hand loose. I didn't want to jerk my hand away. Uh, that happened to me in Chicago. They were psychics. Another psychic in Cleveland came, uh, I didn't know it was a psychic. He worked for the police to to solve a lot. So he was there in the backstage, and I was sitting up on a box. So he stood up there with me, and he just said, "Wow!" He jumped down. He said, "He said what?" He said, "He, he's he not of this planet. He came from. Uh, he, he, you go say you go up to the North Star, you turn left, you go so many million light years, and you come to where he came from. And the name of the place he came from is Zaracon. He came from Zarcon." And he went on and told about that I'd been on this planet 14 years, and that, that I, I, I was supposed to raise the consciousness of the people of this planet so the spaceships could land, because they don't want to uh, cause no planet. Over. So he said, now, your job is to raise the consciousness of the people on this planet through music so that they can land. And it happened to me. Now, we played in Boston. I was telling some people the same thing I'm telling you now about that Zary the man in the theater said, you know, I heard what you said. He said, I'm worried about um, what's going to happen to this planet. So I went, I went to India, and I was asking the swamis in different what is the fate of humanity? What what are we going to do? He said, and one of them told me, oh, the one from Khan knows. He'll come. He'll straighten it out. He said, you just said about this cycle, say you're from Khan, And I know what the man meant. Now, they're behind all these things that like I, I was educated it, 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 here. Uh, you might say, oh, never mind. But something else has entered my so-called life that's guiding me to say, you can help the planet. Now, i have said, well, why, why should I do that? got all these preachers now?" But this folks said, I only recognize you, nobody else. We went to Nigeria, and uh, they had this big festival and all the black, the poets was there, the intellection and everything, and the Nigerians got an auditorium that they told 5,000 people, beautiful auditorium. Uh, the poets and the intellection and the cars said they wanted to appear in that auditorium. The Nigerian government said, we don't respect nobody in America for Sun uh, he And this auditorium, only governments appear in our auditorium. You can't, we're going to have uh, Sun in that we have two governments presented each night. Now, uh, Sunrise gonna be in there with the Zanzibar government, but y'all can't be in. it. So then they was very upset, the political and the religious, and they, they was upset because the Nigerian government said only I would appear. So then when when, the, uh, when these different governments would appear, the first thing they do would bring out their flag and they'd hold that up. And uh, here I was over there, in a sense, being recognized as a government, and uh, what flag was I going to use? So the bear was totally unaware what was going to happen. So what I did, I brought my flag out there, and it's practice standing ovation. Standard. Excuse me, can I take your dirty towels? Yeah. So when I came out, sorry, oh. you're taking out today? No, well. Can you really stay? Uh, we checking out about six o'clock or something. Well, I may, maybe that's South go We playing, and after we get through playing, we won't be back here. We headed for Santa Diego. So now I came out with my flag. Now the band wasn't. They was not aware what was happening. And I held my flag up, standing ovation. It wasn't the United States flag either. It was not the uh, black panther or the black Panther, It was the flag of death. It was purple and black. I know what I'm doing. I had to flag a death up there because it do represent the death of this planet as far as what they got. Oh, this is going. But that's another kind of death. You got two deaths. It says, fear the second death. Fear him who's able to uh, cast both soul and body into hell. Don't fear the first death. Now, the second death is a man. It's got to be They fear him who's able to uh, cast both soul and body to hell. Amen. Hello? Hello? Yes? Uh huh. No, I'm being interviewed in a sense. Uh huh. In Denver? Where are you now? Oh, you're in Denver. Oh, well, okay, we headed that way. <laughs> well, you know, I was busy studying my psychic things and trying to find out what makes this planet tick and why is everything going wrong and why people are headed toward uh, nuclear annihilation. So I was busy trying to find out where does God stand and why does he do something. So I had to find out why. And that's what I was doing, I was researching. I realized I'd be a world figure for people asking me things, and I wanted to be sure that when I answered them, it would be equationally correct. And so it took some time for me to get these equations. I had to study all kinds of things about different nations I that understand their their culture and and, uh, their philosophy, their religion, their past, their tradition. I had to learn all that and store it all up in one head, namely mine, like a computer. So then I would know that weak points, I'd also know that yeah. potentials. I was interested in that potential. Now I did that. But after I did that, then I want to play the low profile and stay out of it. And that's what I was doing, so they didn't know too much about me. Mm-hmm. But then uh, more and more, I'm becoming into the view of the world. They're asking questions about me. And um, I can answer them now. Well, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm a psychic being, and then we don't, we don't consider ourselves as being born. We consider ourselves as being eternal. We dealing with the spirit, because the body is on a reproduction thing. It's a copy, so it's not really an original. Uh, it is, uh, you say, came from your parents. So no person can really say that they were born. They were just reproduced. It's just a copy. But I'm dealing with the spirit. It's not a copy in no two spirits alike. I'm dealing with that. So then we don't, in a sense, exist because we're over to somebody else's body. But I don't remember being born. I just happened, you know, like uh, I happened to be here. It's like in Uncle Tom's Cabin when he asked Topsy when was she born. She she said she wasn't. I think Topsy has some good sense because you can't prove that you were born unless you remember it. I'm only dealing with facts. I cannot prove, I cannot remember being born. So I don't know nothing about it. Well, i never been one. I was in the farm of a child, but I've always been wise. And finally, I, I graduated to be otherwise. Well, I never had nobody to tell me anything like most children their parents be telling them things and leading them. I was completely free uh, and wondered why I didn't have anybody to tell me anything. I was completely free to do whatever I wanted to do. My parents didn't tell me nothing. I was just free and innocent, and I had to learn about this planet. I'm still innocent because I'm still ignorant. Now, I'm, I'm, my mind is, because I'm ignorant, my mind has all kinds of things. The whole cosmos, the omnivores, because I'm empty headed. And I got a lot of places for something to go up there. But some people who are so wise, ain't no room up there for nothing to get up there. Well, actually, when I think about the potential of humanity, then I'm happy. But otherwise, I'm most visible when I see the way they're headed. Well, that is true. I, I was playing with Fletcher Henson and he was directing, and I played at the club of the Lisa with him about a year or more until he left there and went to New York. So, I, you might say I played with his last band. What? Well, oh no, his brother had to own the band. His brother had moved <coughs> to, I think, Seattle and in Denver, I think. It, it, yes. Mm-hmm. So I never met his brothers. But he had a great band too, but the well Well, I see so what happened is it was his band. It wasn't the last band, it was a band he picked up in, in um uh let's see, Pittsburgh. He he picked that band up because Fletcher had so much trouble out of the musicians getting in his band and he developed and they leave. So he just decided he would pick up a band. So in this case, he picked up some professional music, the whole band from Pittsburgh. And that was the band that he brought to Chicago. <coughs> and he had a piano player who was an arranger, Club the a piano player named Marlon, Young, was also studying law. So he had to play till 4 o'clock in the morning and go to school too. So one night, and the show started, he was missing because he was sleeping in the car. Fletcher sent for me. He needed somebody to sight-read. And after I came, and straight that night, Fletcher kept me. Well, I was in Chicago, and I was playing before. The musicians in Chicago liked what I was doing, and I always was working with trios and duos or whatever. In Chicago, they were fascinating about what I was doing, playing a different sort of piano. And I always worked, you know. And then I played off nights at the Club DeLisa with another band in Chicago. Club, it was D E separate word, L-I-S-A, Club DeLisa. And they had nothing but top acts in there. We had to play the show. On the south side on State Street, near... Fifth Street or Garfield Boulevard, and it stayed open till four and five in the morning. You could always go and see a show at uh, four o'clock in the morning, the last show, and it was very inexpensive. Uh, it helped a lot of people, and always you could go there and see the last show, and they had top acts in that. that's where Fletcher was playing and he'd play the show and then after play, it was a stage would rise up for people to see the show and the band would rise up and then after the show the stage would come down and it had a dance floor on it and the people would dance by the band and the Fletcher would play by phone numbers or something like that and then when it got intermission then the stage would go back up in there and the show would proceed so everybody could see the show I was playing and then I had trouble uh, trouble out the band who really uh, was upset by me playing what they call these strange chords but Fletcher Henson played piano he hired me and I'd have to always be cussing him out and telling them that Fletcher hired me and he's a piano player and I'm one too so Fletcher knew more about the piano than they did so they should shut up but I had problems with them everybody in the band they wasn't used to nobody like me because I was busy creating I was already hearing them. And then I went, and I had to find out about the white race, what are they doing, so I had to investigate them. So I went and took me a job in a burlesque club so I could see what they're doing now and then. I had to find out what are the hillbillies doing. I had to investigate. And so I stayed in the burlesque club uh, for about three years, deliberately in Chicago in Calumet City is uh in uh well it's 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 near Chicago you 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 don't have too far to go before you come to Calumet City which Calumet City which had nothing but clubs there they said gangsters owned the town but that's all you had there so you could go out of one British club into the other I think I went to Chicago in the 40's I believe I did I went there to play the a band called Sir Oliver Bibbs, Bibbs, B-I-B-S, and you'd have to really delve back into mu- music history to find out about him, because nobody missed him, but he had a band, and he was reorganizing his band, and he heard me play it, and he wanted me to play with the band, but he never, uh, they were playing to wear period costumes, you know, like. Frenchman and all like that. And, uh, period. But where the Frenchman went in the 17th century or something. Yeah, they were going to wear that. And, uh, but uh, <clears throat> he never did uh, was able to do it. Not left. the they band the one he had was a pickup band from Cleveland I mean from Pittsburgh and uh, it really it wasn't his band in one sense it was in another sense because he paid them well so I would say they respected that I don't know whether they expected anything else and Fletcher was a, a model band lady he wasn't getting high or doing nothing like that well he had one fault, if you can call it that. Everybody talked about that. He played the horses every day. (laughs) But that's the only thing I saw that they said there's trouble with Fletcher playing the horses. And I don't know whether he ever won, really. I never did see. I never did see. In fact, he borrowed $100 for me to play the horses. Never did give it back. But I never did ask for it. I was delighted. Right when I wasn't doing anything else, I did. The, the musicians out there would always call me to come to Cayman City, and I had to play from eight o'clock to five in the morning sometime And I didn't get up for ten dollars a night, but I didn't care. I was doing my research, and and then the Burlesque queens they had their music. If they they would bring out a whole sonnets written for, they had their music, and you had to be able to read. You couldn't just play that. You had to read when they come in there. Uh, They brought that music And you had to play the arrangement So in this way I learned a lot of different songs uh, A lot of songs And I know a lot of standards Oh well I'm a natural you see Like birds come in to fly I'm just a natural I just have a gift That's on a cosmic level Now the trouble is Uh I, I'm a scholar and i like to be a scholar but then there's some folks who say no well you, you have to you have to help people and I say what well, I mean but because I say you got you got preachers, you got teachers, you got congressmen you got presidents and kings and all that and I'm I'm just a full person you see I ride here in Alabama we're supposed to be a most discriminatory state but uh uh, when Governor Wallace was in office, he sent for me to come to his mansion, and I went down there in his mansion at a party, and then he gave me to come to Birmingham, Alabama, and he gave me American music, uh, composer, covering all plans of music. That's what Alabama did. Now my band never played there, and about two, three months ago, the booker and the book of the, insisted i go to Alabama, but <clears throat> they, none of the places uh, were open for me to go. So he put me in a place, a, a hillbilly, redneck, motorcycle gang, Nazi, Ku Klux Klan place, where it was rough, and they had uh, five pool tables in the back. Now he put me in this place on the edge of a black neighborhood. No black people knew about it. they weren't going in there. That's why they wanted me there. So then they put me on a Tuesday night, which is, you know, a slow night -night nightclub. But the place was packed, standing room only, in this particular place. And when I got to the plane there, the people surrounded me and said, Love is surrounding you in Alabama. Uh, That happened to me in Alabama. And then they they shouted my name for about 15 minutes, shouting, Rob, Rob. I had to get out there and go in the bus. Yes the Ku Klux Klan, the rednecks too so therefore something happened to me in New York City too at Carnegie Hall I sometimes marched around oh, but this time I marched out to Carnegie Hall marched around the block and then I was telling so I said you know what it looked like some hillbillies was following in, and they said it was a whole busload, two busloads of hillbillies jumped out and marched behind me in New York City uh, around Carnegie Hall and then I found out something else. They said, well, see, I played at an opening of a, it was a, a stadium going to be named after Lou Armstrong. So they had me to play there with six pieces. And uh, then the hillbillies, when they heard me, they said that America wasn't treating me right, that that was the greatest music America had. And they came up there, and they busted from the south, and they came to Hills and they had their tickets for every event in protest by me not getting recognized like I should be by America, all the hillbills turned in their tickets and got one ticket to come to Carnegie Hall to hit the band. And that was them marching around with me. Well, well actually what I'm what I'm representing is totally impossible. It affects every nation on the on, the planet, on on this planet <laughs> it affects governments it affects schools it affects churches the whole thing's got to be turned to another way of thought a blueprint for another kind of world so naturally I don't have a cult or a church or nothing it's just me you know um, I'm all alone you might say talk for something the planet never heard before uh, therefore I prefer, prefer to play low profile and pass by and just go and pass you know well, they're busy feeling that they better find out what I'm talking about, just in case I'm telling the truth. I, yes. But you know, they, when they first called me, I said, I'm not going to do it. That'll prepare me out there where people will see me, and I'm not going to do it. And so the book in said, well, America needs to hear you, and, and you should do this record. There's gonna be some top stars on there and everything, and they'll be able to hear you. And so finally he convinced me I should do that. So they gave me this Dumbo, you see. So then I had to get to, uh, I'm very thorough, you know. I had I went and got the videotape, but I hadn't really seen that. And I listened to it. And then they had a ranger who was gonna arrange for me. And then when he came up there, he asked the to that the band said, well, do you mean not playing nothing like this? This is not uh, suitable in the studio I had to sit down and write that arrangement. the band was waiting while I was writing that part and I tailor-made it and it came out very nice even the sand <coughs> right it had the spirit now uh, in New York City they talk about me playing at the bottom line and playing a whole night on nothing but Walt Disney Of course, I'm interested. I'm always interested in something that everybody can't do. He said, I have to teach musicians a lesson on this planet, and I'm always doing something they can't do. And I'd be quite delighted. They're always trying to steal my stuff and catch up with me, and and, and I really got them uh, this time because I I was in the concert with John Cage. Now they can't do that because John Cage is very exclusive, and he tends to steal this, writing his operas and things, and he never uh, was on the same stage many other musicians so I jumped up teach that Cecil Taylor and the rest of them a lesson and I was right there with John Cage on the same stage and I played some you haven't got that record yet it's historical <laughs> and we get a concert at uh, Coney Island and everybody was shook up the, the, the producer of the show made a mistake because they sold every ticket for $20 and only about 200 people could get in there so it was in a side show you might say it had been a side show with Snake charmers and all that so then uh, what happened is it's possible to open up the side of the theater, the front of it, because the people on the boardwalk want to hear, so they opened that up, and we had a lot of people standing outside listening to me and John Cage.